Your generosity fuels all of Westside's efforts to make disciples, equip families, and share Christ's love here and around the world. You know, anytime that God's church gathers together to seek Him and to just focus on Him, it's, you don't know what's going to happen. Walking around these walls, I thought by now they'd fall, for you've never failed me yet. The things that I'm most excited about with these worship and prayer nights is I believe with all my heart that God wants to do something very special in this congregation. But in order for Him to do that, we as a congregation collectively and individually, well, we're gonna need to just learn how to really enter into God's presence. We're gonna have to really learn how to be dependent on prayer. Well, I'm excited that the culture of our church is changing. Um, you know, I, I love that um, we as a church are moving into the prayer and worship culture because that's what changes lives. Um, that's what helps people with their faith and their relationship with God. And um, so I'm just super proud that Westside made the decision to even have this night. I'm still in your hand. This is my confidence. You never me yet. But I just pray that peace would be over this church in the midst of chaos and our media and everything and the world and the country and everything, Lord. It's just so chaotic right now. I pray tonight is just a night of peace, that we would just rest in your presence, that we would rest in who you are, and that we would take from tonight into our lives, into everybody's lives, Lord. Watching the deaf people worship and clap their hands and celebrate, I mean, it, it's almost like I should be doing that. We just want deaf people to really experience worship and for them to be able to look at her and think, you know, maybe even for the first time feel connected to the Lord um, and desire Him. And that's what it's all about. The prayer that Pastor Randy did for us to kind of cleanse ourselves, if you will, and let go of some things was amazing. It, it felt like a burden was released. I loved that he invited everyone down. Um, I just could really feel the spirit trying to break chains in, in our lives. This is my confidence. You never fail. When we're worshiping together, and then there's also baptisms going on at the same time, it's just really special because we're singing about God, moving, we're singing about, singing about who God is, and then we're actually seeing that movement in action in people's lives. Well, I think when parents surrender their lives to Christ and when they're baptized, it changes the landscape of the family. Uh, I think it's just that much more special that we're sharing this moment together. This event changed our family. People that are coming in tonight that are sick, that you would just uh, heal them, Lord. Um, and that this church would just enter in a new season of authority, a new season of confidence. Come on right now, church. We're just gonna remember the times that God showed up in our lives. When we thought that we were done and defeated and He came and He won on our behalf we look back to look forward to the future to know that He's not done yet. Sing this out. Anytime I get anxious or excited, I stutter. I, it was real bad. I have a brain injury. Yeah. And when I came out of the water, Randy, it's gone. It's gone. It's gone. God has healed you. 
Yes. I mean, mean, this is the first time I've not stuttered. It's gone. <laughs> I believe the floodgates of God's blessing is going to happen in our life and it's going to happen in our church with the beautiful things He has planned for it. But this has to happen first. Westside Family Church. We are now one church in literally thousands of locations. And what you just have seen is our actual last corporate gathering together as a family for a while. And what a wonderful evening it was if you were there. I mean, we might have actually cherished it a little bit more if we had known that it would be our last gathering in a while. Uh, who would have thought that the very next day the world would change as it has I've heard the word surreal more times in the last two weeks than I've heard in my entire lifetime. That evening was really special. The room was packed with people wanting to worship the one true God. Over 50 people were baptized right in the middle of the worship experience. Over 50 of our deaf community was worshiping God with their hands and with their hearts. And I was so encouraged by the number of people who really opened their lives up to God in dependence upon him in prayer. And I really believe as one of your pastors that this is the kind of breakthrough that God is looking in the hearts of his worshipers at Westside. And then he will pour open his blessings and momentum to be used for his purposes. So yea, God. I came across Psalm chapter 42, verses four and five that I thought was really super helpful during this time. The psalmist writes, my heart is breaking as I remember how it used to be. I walked among the crowds of worshipers, leading a great procession to the house of God, singing for joy and giving thanks amidst the sounds of great celebration. Why am I so discouraged? Why is my heart so sad? I will put my hope in God. I will praise him again. So church, we will be praising God again together one day soon. And I need to let you know that your generosity is what helps to make events and worship experiences like this available. But it's so much more than just our gathering together, even more so during this time that we remain faithful uh, to our giving, uh, particularly online. Uh, there are so many ministries that Westside is responsible for distributing resources to. And, and so I want to encourage you, if you've never tried to give online, this would be a great opportunity to do so. Simply go to westsidefamily.church slash give and everything will be uh, given to you on how to set up your online giving. You know, in Acts chapter four, the first century church was really struggling as it was getting started. And it says that the first century believers would bring their gifts to the apostles and the apostles would then distribute those gifts uh, to the people who had need. 
And this is exactly what Westside Family Church is doing. So I wanna encourage you uh, to continue in your giving as God gives you the ability during this time so we can continue to minister to people, particularly in this time, who are struggling and who are hurting. I've been super encouraged by the number of people on social media who've been giving a shout out to Westside Family Church and Dave Ramsey for what we did last fall with the margin uh, experience. And they're saying that uh, even though this is, these are challenging times financially with the coronavirus, uh, that because they were on baby step three and four, they had set aside you know three to six months and they're gonna be able to make it through this crisis. But we know that's not the case for every single person. And so in just a moment, I want to offer a word of prayer and also a word of challenge that we would encourage each other during this time. I just want to remind you of, before we dive into the full message, I want to remind us of three really important biblical principles. They all have to do with the concept of trading. And here it is. Number one, I encourage us to trade our fear for faith, to trade our fear for faith. Philippians chapter four, verse six, invites us to be anxious for nothing and that includes COVID-19. And how do we do that? Paul offers us two suggestions. Number one, that we would pray. And number two, that we would uh, focus our minds on what is true, what is good, what is noble, and what is beautiful. So I wanna encourage you to monitor, monitor your intake of the news. Be informed, but don't be obsessed. And then I wanna encourage you to uptake your intake of scripture. I mean, continue to read the book of Romans as we go through it. I love the book of John. I love the Psalms during times like this, like Psalm 42 that I just read out of. Increase your intake of scriptures. The second one is let's uh, move from crowds to connection. We need to move from crowds, that is for sure. We need to obey our local officials and city government and, and our president in encouraging us to follow these rules. And so we're gonna do that as followers of Jesus Christ. Uh, but because we're not meeting in crowds doesn't mean you should move to isolation. Isolation is not good. So we're needing to look for creative ways to connect today. Pastor Jason just gave you some ideas on how to do that with small groups. I'd encourage you to just uh, encourage other people through text and through FaceTime. Uh, and on their small groups, if you're, if you're gonna do that, which I encourage you to do it, take a pic of it and uh, put it on social media and tag Westside Family Church and let's encourage each other and stay connected together during this time. The last one is, is that we would trade our anger for action. You know, it's easy for us in our human nature to wanna to be angry about what's happening now and no one uh, finds any, uh, any, any comfort in blaming the virus. So we end up blaming each other. We blame people, we blame organizations, we blame the president, uh, we even blame churches. I have a friend in LA, I just spoke for him a couple of weeks ago, and there was this lady that left a voicemail message uh, just, just ranting and raving about how they should not meet and just how they were being greedy, and she was just so angry. And the reality is this church uh, had already decided not to meet. Uh, they are distributing so much goodness and so much care, but this lady just needed to be angry at somebody, and so she chose the church. And some of you even could be angry at God. And I want to spend just a moment talking about this. We think God is really maybe the cause behind all of this. And I want to, I want to remind you that illness and sin and death comes from the result of a fallen world. When humanity fell in the garden, it introduced sin and sickness and war 
and death into our life. And so in reality, we are the cause because of our disobedience to God that things happen the way they happen. And not only does, does it happen to us, but we're told in Genesis 3 that even the earth is cursed. And so some of the things that we've experienced on an on a, uh, international or national scale with even our earth, it's dying and it's struggling. And God exists and he is above absolutely every bit of it, but he's not the cause of it, but he does intercede into the natural causes to write a good story for those who love him to those who are called according to his purpose so let's be reminded that god is not the problem but that god is the solution which came through jesus christ our lives are wrapped in these perishable bodies on this earth and i remind you that this is not our ultimate destination this is not our home god has prepared something for us and it will ultimately solve all the problems that we experience. So in the meantime, a relationship with God, a relationship with his people will help you and I get through whatever we face in this life, including the coronavirus. History has proven that God is trustworthy and this is the case. So we need to move from anger to action. And Pastor Jason just gave you a number of ways in which we as a church are really stepping up at this time uh, to be the hands and feet of Jesus. I would encourage you to participate as you feel called and as you feel led to do so. One of the things that I'm super excited about is the opportunity we have to love our neighbors. And we're gonna talk about that in just a moment. But uh, if you're a part of an HOA, you know, send out an email um, to all of the people in your neighborhood and just offering up an opportunity to pray for them, an opportunity to come alongside of them, uh, to maybe if they're compromised or can't get out, to have them leave their, um, their, their needs outside the door, pick up their medicines for them, and just really encourage us to love our neighbors at this time. There's also this website called blesseveryhome.com and a number of Westsiders already do this, but it, it gives you the opportunity uh, to pray for five of your neighbors uh, every single day in a very tangible way. Westside Family Church strongly believes in prayer. Now, what I wanna do before we dive into our message in Romans today, which is very pertinent and gives us great instruction for what's happening right now, I wanna offer up a word of prayer and then we'll dive in, okay? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I just thank you for all the people that have, um, have connected with us today in this very special service. And I really pray that you will give us the faith uh, to move from our fear to faith, that Father, you would give us the wisdom to move from crowds, but not to be isolated, but to be connected. And Father, that you would turn our anger into action, positive action for your kingdom. I pray for those who are sick, Father, that you would be with them and heal them. I pray for those who are on the front lines in the medical field and those who are really putting themselves in harm's way. I pray for the resources for testing and I pray that you give wisdom to our government and our local officials as we lead through this crisis. And Father, I pray that you would protect those who are compromised and particularly the elderly among us. And finally, Father, I know that there are a number of people, I'm talking to them every day, who are very concerned and even fearful about their financial situation. And I pray, Father, that you would cause the body of Christ to stay connected to each other, to help each other through this, knowing that ultimately, Father, you've got us in Jesus Christ. So we lay all this before you now. In the name of Jesus, I pray. Amen. 
Well, I've decided to continue on in our series in Romans, believing that God has some special instruction for us. He knew that we would be right here at this time, and I really believe the passage in Romans today is going to be very pertinent to what we're all experiencing. Romans Road has four mile markers, and we've come to mile marker number four, where Paul is asking and answering the question, what is my purpose? Now that I'm on the other side of the Romans Road in an internal relationship with God, what is my new sense of purpose? What is my new sense of direction? Now we've learned in the last couple of weeks on the other side of the Romans Road, uh, we used to draw our life more like an organizational chart. And I'm at the top as the CEO and all the different departments of my life were managed by me, my wife, my children, my work, my neighbors, my hobby. And when we became a follower of Jesus Christ, we decided that we now needed to add God as a department in our life. And that's what we did. We now go to church on Sundays and it's taken up a little bit of margin in our life. But as we grow in our relationship with God, we realize this is not the way God wants us to draw out our life. This is not what he has in mind. Paul told us in Romans chapter 12, verses one and two, that in view of God's mercy in our life, that we now draw out the management of our lives in a completely different way. We throw out the organizational chart and we draw a circle instead. At the very center of the circle, there is God. We're no longer at the center of our lives. He is at the very center of our lives, and he's going to govern and guide all the other areas of our life. Our new purpose begins with God. In view of what he's done for us through Jesus Christ, our first purpose is to offer up our whole lives, our whole bodies, basically to serve his purposes. He's now on the driver's seat, guiding and governing all of the areas of our life. And we mentioned that when you get this right, everything else falls into place. God is at the center. Then in Romans chapter 12, verses three through eight, Paul tells us that our new purpose moves next in concentric circles out into a relationship with ourselves. And we now uh, receive instruction from God's word on how we're go, to go about managing our lives according to his purposes. And Paul says, I need to have sober judgment for who I am, who I really am, and how God has wired me. Uh, and, and, and he goes on to tell us that we cannot have a re healthy relationship with others until we have a, re a healthy understanding of myself in Christ Jesus. Now in the body of Christ, we all have equal value before God, but we all have different functions and capacities and different gifts to be used to accomplish God's purposes, not to establish a pecking order of importance, but rather to be used collectively to accomplish what God wants to accomplish on earth. Therefore, Paul says, we do not need to think too highly or too lowly of ourselves. We need to embody this mindset of biblical humility. Now, with these two categories firmly in place, God at the center, and God is now governing how I manage my own self in relationship to my new life in Christ. He now moves to the third circle and has to do with our relationships. Paul is going to give us instruction on how he wants to manage our relationships, how God wants to manage them. And it's interesting in Paul's instructions that he's going to give us today under the inspirational of the Holy Spirit, it is interesting how pertinent it is for our time uh, that we're experiencing right now. So if you're interested in what Paul has to say about this, I want you to take your Bible. I can see you. Take your Bible, hold it high in the air, and say this prayer we've been saying during the Romans Road journey. Ready? Dear Lord, 
Your word is a lamp unto our feet and a light unto our path. We take this journey together down the Romans road, knowing the destination is you. In Jesus' name, and everyone shouted, amen. Turn in your Bibles to Romans chapter 12. Now listen to this. In Romans chapter 12, verses 9 through 21, I counted them. Paul lays out 22 ways we are to relate to other people. 22 ways. So I want you to take time later today to read each of those 22 and count them out for yourself. 22 ways. Now, as followers of Jesus Christ, we are to manage our relationships with other people. The idea is that you should print these out, post them on your bathroom mirror, memorize them. The main idea is let these principles now govern and guide your relationships. So the the notion of the idea is that you're in a conversation with somebody and, and someone comes at you with something. Maybe it's something that's a little bit challenging or maybe it's a request of you. The idea is that you might say to the person, give me just a second. And then you would read through all 22 and pick the one or two that should guide according to God's principles how God wants you to respond to these relationships. I mean, let's take the last one just as an example. This is a huge paradigm shift from the way in which we used to live our lives and our relationships on the other side of the Romans road. Paul writes, do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. I like the way John Stott uh, writes about this passage of scripture. He says, when we overcome evil with evil, we double the evil in the world. But when we overcome evil with good, we have done our part in canceling out an evil in our world. I love that. What is our job as followers of Jesus Christ? We are evil neutralizers. I love that concept. Now, in the previous verse, Paul writes, On the contrary, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he is thirsty, give him something to drink. In doing this, you will heap burning coals on his head. The idea is is that we do not avenge a neighbor who uh, does you wrong. And if you don't avenge him when he does you wrong, later, if that neighbor is hungry, you are the first one to take him a meal. If that neighbor who has done you wrong and you don't avenge him, later he has a project, you're the first one to volunteer. And I know that that sounds hard to do, but this is what Christ is calling us to do, to live a distinctively different lifestyle than we used to live on the other side of the Romans rope. But this may help make it easier. Paul says that this response will be like pouring hot coals on top of their heads. And I can see some of you saying, hot coals, that sounds good. How hot are they? So hot that it will burn all the head off of their uh, hair off their head, including their eyebrows. I mean, you, you'd love to see that ornery neighbor, you know, God to, for, for God to pour hot coals on their head. But that's not what it's referring to here. John Stott says, the burning coals are a symbol of the shame and remorse experienced by a neighbor who is rebuked by kindness. This is the purpose that God has called us to. And I reminded you that in the first uh, couple centuries, the church had experienced uh, worldwide uh, pandemics before one in AD 125 and one in AD 250, smallpox and measles that ran uh, rampant through the Western world and was devastating. But because of the way in which the church responded, the way in which they engaged in relationships, not only with each other, but those who were literally enemies of the church, the way they courageously reached out to them, historians tell us it was one of the 
one of the primary reasons why the church overtook the world in just 300 years, because of the way they loved not only each other, but they loved the people outside of the church who were even upset with them, angry with them, or enemies with them. And so this is what we're wanting Westside Family Church to be all about. Not only Westside Family Church, but all the churches of Kansas City, all the churches in the world, this is a unique opportunity in time. Now, I want you to turn over to Romans chapter 13 and verse 8. Now, we're going to come back to Romans 13, 1 through 7 next week, where Paul's going to give us instruction on how believers in Christ, with their new purpose in hand, interacts and relates to government. Now, that could be pretty timely, right? We're going to talk about that next week. And I think, again, a timely message that God has in store for us. So let me read uh, Romans chapter 13, verses 8 through 10. Paul writes, Let no debt remain outstanding except the continuing debt to love one another. For whoever loves others has fulfilled the law. The commandments, you shall not commit adultery, you shall not murder, you shall not steal, you shall not covet, covet and whatever, uh, whatever other command there may be are summed up in this one command, love your neighbor as yourself. Love does not harm a neighbor Therefore, love is the fulfillment of the law. If you're taking notes, write this down. The grand summary, love your neighbor as yourself. We keep coming back to it over and over again. The grand command, love your neighbor as yourself. Another way of stating this command comes from the lips of Jesus. We refer to it as the golden rule. If you know it, say it out loud with me. Ready? Matthew chapter 7 and verse 12. Do unto others as you would have others do unto you. This is a very simple rule that every situation you're in, simply turn the tables and say, how would I want a person to respond to me in that situation? I remember the story a number of years ago where a man had lost a million dollars for his company and he got a call from the CEO to come into his office and the guy was, uh, was so afraid he was going to lose his job. The CEO sat him down and said, wow, you've lost a million dollars for our company. And the guy said, I know, I'm sorry. He says, well, we've looked over the records and over the course of your time with us, uh, you have actually made us $10 million. And so you've lost a million dollars, so you've made this company $9 million. And while we're not happy about losing the million dollars, we wanna thank you for all the money you've made this company. And that guy walked out, you know, wiping the sweat off his brow, thinking to himself, this is how I needed to be received and responded to. Even in my relationship with Roseanne, you know, Roseanne will forget something or, uh, or she uh, will lose something. And in the moment, I could get angry that she's done this. And if I just simply stop and say, hey, wait a minute, I've forgotten things. You know, I have lost things. How would I want Roseanne to respond to me when I've done these things? And it's simply a has helped us greatly in maintaining peace and unity in our relationship with one another. Loving your neighbor as yourself really is followed by the simple rule of putting yourself in their shoes and asking, how do you want to be treated given the fact that none of us are perfect, right? This is what Jesus is saying. Now, in the final verses of chapter 13, Paul kind of turns not really turns the corner, but adds this sort of interesting insight. And at first you're like, what is he talking about? Uh, that's gonna really provide for us the motivation for why we're gonna to want to really govern our relationships according to this new purpose. But listen carefully. Paul begins in verse 11. 
and do this understanding the present time the hour has already come for you to wake up from your slumber because our salvation is nearer now than when we first believed the night is nearly over the day is almost here so let us put aside the deeds of darkness and put on the armor of light let us behave decently as in the daytime not in carousing and drunkenness, not in sexual immorality and debauchery, no, not in dissension and jealousy. Rather, clothe yourself with the Lord Jesus Christ and do not think about how you're going to gratify the desires of the flesh. Now, what's he talking about? He's talking about the day drawing near. Anytime the Bible talks about the day or the day drawing near, it is referring to the second coming of Jesus Christ. Jesus is coming back and the Bible tells us it could be any time. Paul is saying that the day is closer today than it was yesterday. It can actually happen today. So if you're taking notes, write this final principle down. The imminent return of Jesus should motivate us into action. He's establishing a sense of urgency for two reasons. How does the imminent return of Jesus motivate us to treat others according to the teachings of Paul. Number one, when Jesus comes back, based upon all that he's done for us, when we see him face to face, we want him to find us living out our new purposes. We don't want to see, uh, we don't want him to see us living like we used to live on the other side of the Romans road. Rather, we want him to find us living out and extending his life and his purposes on earth. But the second reason is this, the decision of salvation is in fact available to everyone, but that decision must be made before either the person dies or before Jesus comes back. If a person hasn't made that decision before they die or before Jesus comes back, it'll be too late. And because of our intense love for our neighbor, we want them to make the decision to trust Christ now. And what Paul is teaching us here, as well as in the teaching of Jesus and the other apostles, is that when we love our neighbors as ourselves, it's like honey. It draws people closer to God and enables them to see God through our lives and trust him. Now, for those of you who have, uh, who have connected with us online, maybe you're not here every single week, maybe you haven't been in church in a long time, but you've connected with us because you're afraid and you don't feel really close to God, I really wanna encourage you that your number one action step is to come into a relationship with Jesus Christ, for you to accept his forgiveness of sin and you'll discover that he has got you covered. If you have questions about that, just simply uh, put out that question to Pastor Jason and our online team and they'll guide you through a prayer and your next steps in following Jesus Christ and making him the Lord and Savior in your life and giving you the power to overcome this fear by faith in him. Paul says to us in this passage, it's time for the church to get up, time to stop being drowsy and to get into the game. Oh, that's so timely for us right now. He says it's time to get dressed, take off your pajamas, take off your night clothes, which refers to the deeds of darkness, and put on your day clothes, the armor of light. Clothe yourself with Christ so that we may be able to do for our neighbors what Jesus would do for them if he were here. We are called to wear the characteristics and the teaching of Christ on our hands, on our lips, in our feet, and in our very eyes. And you know what, church? There can be no greater urgency for this message than what we are experiencing right now. 
And if we take our new purpose in Christ seriously during this worldwide pandemic, well, this just might be one of the church's finest hours. I love a quote I received from a guy named Hans Pollet. He says, I don't know what the future holds, but I know who holds my future. And all of God's people said, amen, amen. Thank you for joining us, church, this week. We're gonna to continue to meet like this in the many weeks to come until it's safe for us, as the psalmist said, to come back together again. As a matter of fact, I find myself in San Antonio right now. We came down here for uh, some ministry and uh, we just not, did not feel through the advice we got that it was good for us to get back in an airplane at this time. So we're here in San Antonio bringing this message uh, to you. So I want you to be safe, continue to pray, and let's stay connected together in Jesus' name. Amen.